All right. Well, we have begun recording, so I want to welcome everybody to today's edition of Midday Cafe. So today we've got some pretty exciting things. Um, mine is the least exciting. We'll take about a whole 20 seconds. But uh, if you are interested in Microsoft Viva, want to have an interactive session, have your colleagues join you, be able to ask questions, get all your questions answered, uh, tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern, I'll be delivering a webinar uh, for Microsoft Healthcare and uh, Healthcare and Life Sciences. I almost said Healthcare and Human Services. I don't know why that popped in my head. Any more caffeine? But uh, I'll be delivering that tomorrow, and you can find the link if you go to uh, aka.ms/hlsblog. It's aka.ms/hlsblog, and it's one of the two uh, listed voices in healthcare. Just the first one, if you go, it goes chronologically newest, uh, latest first, mine's older. So scroll down about halfway on that first page and you'll find it. And uh, I'll see you there. But we have other items. So before uh, we start off, though, I do want to have in the order of presentation, how's this? My two uh, co-presenters, uh, guests, luminaries for today's session who are really the ones uh, bringing you value today. So we'll go ahead and Sue first. Who, you, who are you and what are you going to talk about? I can't hear you, Sue. <laughs> yes, I'm serious. This, will make a, this is going to make for a great meme. <laughs> Can you hear me now? So why don't we cut over to Eden? <laughs> Hi, everyone. Yeah, I'll go ahead and get started if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Hi, everyone. My name is Eden Porsangi, and I'm a Teams technical specialist. But today I'm going to be covering Power Platform, Governance, Security, and Center of Excellence. So I've got a, gr a lot of great content for you, and I'm excited to show you all that good information later um, after Sue. It that's going to rock. And I, I do have to say, we, you know what? I do need one of those like soundboards where you push the button. When you say like power platform, it should definitely go power platform. I mean, that just begs all those powers. I mean, you got to, it's like Shazam or the Power Rangers or something. You got to have something going there. That's right. Power platform. <laughs> yes. The I, I remember them too. All right, Sue, do we have you yeah, back? I hope okay. so. Okay. So, so who are you? Um, so Teams took over a microphone that doesn't work, so I apologize for that. I just need to like uninstall that microphone completely. So my name is Sue Vensel. I am a Microsoft Teams technical specialist, and today I'm just going to spend five minutes and I'm going to show a couple of the features that have pretty much rolled out everywhere um, that if you aren't aware that they're there, you might not realize it. And some of them are pretty freaking cool. So that's what I want to show today. All right. So you're first. So okay. take it away. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to mute myself. And uh, I'm drinking water instead of coffee today. Big mistake. That's the problem. That's my problem. That's your problem. <laughs> So I stole some screenshots because, uh, you know, this is this is Mike's meeting. So I might I wouldn't have access to show you all this. So the first thing I want to show you is that you can now lock your Microsoft meetings. You do need to know where to go to do it. 
So you need to click on your participants tab. So, um, you know, where you would see all the people that are in your meeting. And then at the top, you'll see the ellipse and you click on that and there you will see your option to lock the meeting. Once your meeting is locked, that means it will prevent anybody from joining the meeting thereafter, whether it's a security reason or whether it's because of you don't want interruptions once you get started. And then anyone that joins after you lock the meeting will be sitting in the lobby. That's how that will work. Um, but you just got to know that that's where it is. It's under, so you click that ellipse and then here you'll see the lock the meeting option. So that's the first thing. Next, I think this is really cool. You now have access to meeting options before, during, and after the meeting setup. So if you're joining, if you're, if you want to change an option during the meeting, I think a very common example or use case is that maybe people are coming and you keep getting interrupted as people are joining and that might be a setting you want to change so you're not interrupted. Again, you click on the ellipse, you scroll down here, you click on meeting options, and then that, that leads you to this, this menu here. Um, always let callers bypass the lobby. So that means that the meeting has started, we're on a roll, and people can just go straight into the lobby instead of seeing a message saying so-and-so is waiting in the lobby, do you want to admit them? I personally love the setting where for a Microsoft meeting, I love it where all the Microsoft people, they automatically bypass the lobby. So we all get together and then when we're all present, then the, we allow our guests to come into the meeting. It's I really love that feature a lot. Um, you can announce when callers join or leave. Again, you can change that on the fly because that's in, that could be a distraction for you. And other things, allowing a mic for attendees. Um, it, let's say you have to move really fast. You have something inappropriate happening with one of your participants. You can just real quick mute everybody. Um, problem solved. And same with the camera. So that's pretty, I mean, Zoom bombings is a thing, right? It's a thing. It is a thing, but you know what? Uh, what I love there, if you just think about those scenarios now for those really large meetings, um, I, definitely my my three favorite, because when you have lots of people coming and joining, the turning off announcing and then disallowing mic and uh, camera really helps you to have the attendees focus there. And then they can certainly do a gesture hand, you know, raise a hand. And if you have somebody who's kind of watching that and moderating, um, it'll allow you to have them actually uh, not only, you know, when they join, they can raise a hand and then you can unmute them selectively. Right, exactly. It's great. And I like that you can change it in the fly. You know, you might, you know, so you could be in the middle of the meeting and have to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, click on the ellipse, go to meeting <laughs> options, and there you go. Um, and then there also, this is a fairly new one too, the cart captions. So that is a third party real time, like that's a human being that's typing really fast as you talk. We actually can, um, we integrate with that now as well. So um, I'm always liking to highlight anything with accessibility and uh, that's one of our new features as well. It's just been added recently. Yeah. And then lastly, um, this is the, I just threw this in here. When we were prepping for the call, I grabbed this little screenshot here. Uh, what I wanted to show is once you hit the button to share content, 
I want people to play around with your presenter mode. It, you know, you can be like the weather person or my favorite is this one where your face is right next to the content, mm -hmm. but it's there to play with and check it out. Um, and then for me, I, I click down here and I use PowerPoint Live. So right now, if someone were to send me an inappropriate message or something crazy like that, you're not going to see anything except for PowerPoint. So it's a safe way to share your content. And that's what I want. No, to those are great. And then the last one, just to throw, it's been around, but people still don't. The upper right in this one yes. include computer sound, right? If you're going to play a video or something like that, I can't count the number of times people share them, and then people on the other end are like, "Is it is it making sound?" You hear it? <laughs> so, hear it? <laughs> yeah, and uh, you're like, "Oh." So just make sure if you're going to do that. Click include computer sound right there. Or if you've neglected, unshare, reshare, and then select that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all, all good stuff. All good started, stuff. Those are great. I so thank you. Go ahead. Go ahead. I started playing with the whole where you can hit um, view. You know when you're when you're looking at the screen that I'm sharing right now. And you can see that I'm on slide three of three and how mm -hmm. you can go back and forth if you want. There's another ellipse there. I've been playing along with the translate slides, and that is so fun. I mean, it will automatically <clears throat> translate it for me to Spanish or whatever I want it to be. It's another fun one for people to play with. And it's huge. Like, we, we're intersecting that now through Teams. We've had the, the ability to do that with slides forever. I remember when I was traveling back and forth to France um, on a big uh, thing that we were doing with one of our customers who's headquartered in Paris, and which, oh, I missed that. Um, but at any rate, uh, while I was there, you know, I was able to do the, the translation with the slides on the fly, and people were just like, what? Yeah. It's like you're showing voodoo magic. And I'm like, no, now we have it right in your presentation as well. So. It's great stuff. Thank you. That. All right, Eden. So, are you ready to wow us with <laughs> I sure Power am. Platform? Power Platform. Yes, one of my very um, one of my very favorite topics is governance, security, center of excellence for Power Platform. So, I'm very very excited to show this to everyone today. And the reason is is because. I get asked by customers all the time, how do I govern the platform? I don't want another access situation on my hands. I need to make sure that we have the right security protocols in place so that we can allow our users to do what? Innovate, right? So mm -hmm. innovation, right? We don't want to stipend innovation. We want uh, users to be able to develop and build and you know, automate their, automate their processes. And the only way to do that effectively is to make sure that you have the right security in place. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And uh, let me go ahead and share my screen here. Just a moment. <laughs> I'm looking at the transcript. I didn't say anything, but uh, I must have made a noise. It says I said Miller. <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> I throw out random words and just in the middle of our sessions. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's funny how those sounds uh, detect certain things. Um, 
Yeah, so let's go ahead and get started. So for those that are asking, how do I get started with governance? What's out of the box? What's in the Center of Excellence Starter Kit? Well, the first thing I always like to tell our customers is number one, we wanna understand what you've got out there, right? Because a lot of the time when I speak with our customers, they don't even know that there are so many apps and flows that have already been created by their users. So I always say you want to start off with getting a good understanding of what flows and apps are out there. And that's actually one of the great components of our Center of Excellence Starter Kit. The Center of Excellence Starter Kit is a zip file that anyone can download and they can install into their Power Platform environment. And that Center of Excellence Starter Kit has a bunch of other um, apps and flows that will, um, that will essentially review everything in the environments and you can essentially put that into a Power BI template that we create for you that shows you all that great content. Um, so I will be sure to add some links and posts to this session today so that if any of you are interested in learning how to get that information, you'll know how. And I will actually share my screen here and show you guys what that report looks like. So essentially it's the Power Platform governing the Power Platform. And I love to say that because the Center of Excellence Starter Kit is a Power BI report. It's a bunch of apps, it's a bunch of flows. You can essentially install it. And then it gives you a ton of great information on what it is that you are leveraging inside um, the Power Platform right now. So this essentially right here is a Center of Excellence Starter Kit dashboard. This shows all of the different reports that we have created for you to leverage. Um, from a monitoring perspective, you can see an overview of apps, flows, chatbots, the different environments that are out there. You can even see the custom connectors that have been created by your users. Um, from a governing standpoint, we have a whole bunch of assessment and risk assessment uh, reports that you can leverage. Um, you can also leverage what we call our nurturing components. And the nurturing components essentially show you all the app adoption, usage, shares, things of that nature. So um, just, so, just so I can give you a quick glimpse um, before we continue here, you'll notice here this specific report is showing me an overview of all the power apps that are created in, in, in our demo environment. So for example here, these are all different environments. I'll tell you a little bit more about what those are in a few minutes. Um, this is essentially showing me all of the app makers that are out there in my demo environment. And then I can even see where those app makers are from a map perspective. So apparently I even have one in Africa. Um, and then if I go into Power Automate, I can essentially see that same information for all the flows that have been created, right? So how many custom connectors, how many app makers, how many flow makers, and so on. I can also see if I'm leveraging chatbots, so like a Power Virtual Agent, this essentially is going to show me information about the chatbots that are out there as well. So for example, you'll see here in my uh, default environment, I've got two chatbots. But this is the type of information that you can essentially leverage from that Power BI um, template. So for those of you folks, I always like to say again, the number one way to find out what you've got going on in your Power Platform environments is to do some product discovery and understand the apps and the flows that are there. And you can do that by installing the Center of Excellence Starter Kit and leveraging the Power BI template. 
From a Power Platform architect architecture standpoint, it's also important to know the types of applications that are there, as well as know your environments. And we'll learn a little bit more about what environments are in just a few minutes. We also have what we call our five layers of security. And it's important to know the ones that matter the most. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. And then we'll talk about setting up data loss prevention policies. We also have some great content um, that we may not get to today, but just to give you a little bit of perspective of what's out there, you have the ability to use some of our out of, out of the box analytics. Um, you also have the ability to use your M365 audit logs. Um, for those of you that are using MCAS, we do also have some auditing capabilities that you can leverage with the platform from that perspective. And then we also actually have quite a bit of PowerShell commandlets you can leverage for the Power Platform as well. So if you wanted to perhaps manage some of your connectors, if you wanted to understand the types of licensing that's being leveraged, if you want to automate your policies, those are all PowerShell commandlets that we have available for you to leverage for that. And then from a from a you know user innovation perspective, we have put together some best practices for welcoming new makers, right? And and giving them you know the ability to foster best practices. We've got some great tips and tricks that we offer from some of our customers that are early adopters of the platform. Um, that you can leverage as well within your organization. We also, <laughs> look at that, PowerShell. That's right, power, another great word. Um, you know, you also have the ability when, you, when you're doing this, um, installing the Center of Excellence Starter Kit, when you're creating those reports uh, or leveraging the reports that we have, you can identify who the champions are in your organization for the Power Platform because it'll show you who your top makers are, right? And you can empower those champions to teach some of the some of the newbies how to use the platform. So we've got some great best practices there that you can also leverage. And then from a deployment perspective, we do have the ability for you to manage your solutions. We also have unmanaged solutions that are important to understand the differences. For those of you that are um, interested in using application lifecycle management capabilities, you have the ability to use that with the Power Platform. Um, Azure DevOps is a big one. Um, and then we also have some best practices that we can leverage from that perspective as well. And then to educate and support, right? So once you've got this great Center of Excellence starter kit installed and up and running, you've installed all of your guardrails, we've got a ton of really great material on how to train and onboard new makers, um, how to continue to expand on the Center of Excellence Starter Kit, perhaps create a vision for your organization and how to deploy those best practices there. So we've got a ton of great content out there. And for those of you folks who are feeling you know, not so sure, we've got a whole bunch of different workshops that we can leverage to help you get started. We've got quite a bit of um, partners that are working with our customers right now to deploy uh, a governance strategy, to deploy a center of excellence uh, strategy for our customers, and to make sure that when you are getting your governance in place, that you're that you're using the the practices and the processes that you've currently developed with the best practices that we've provided here. I showed you a little bit about some of the reports that you can leverage from a Power BI perspective, 
But this essentially, you know, is a really great way for you to be able to understand all the apps and flows that are out there. And then for those of you who are wondering, well, where do these apps and flows that are out there, where do they come from? Like, I don't remember giving anyone licenses. Perhaps you might be asking yourself, um, but we've got quite a bit of capabilities that you can leverage for any of your Office 365 users, right? So if you have um, assigned uh, users Office 365, let's say um, E1, E3, E5, um, we even have some frontline uh, worker SKUs that, that you can also leverage to create Power Apps and Flows. So essentially what that means is those users can create an app, they can create a flow, they can even create a Power Virtual Agent within Teams using those types of licenses. And essentially any standard connector that is available, they can leverage with Office 365 licensing. Now it gets tricky when they're trying to use premium capabilities. So if they are trying to use a premium connector, those are generally line of business type of applications. Or for example, if you're trying to connect to um, a SQL database or you know something like Salesforce or um, Oracle or something along those lines. Those are what we call typically call premium connectors. So those are generally what requires um, a premium license. But the Office 365 license, licensing once again includes the standard connectors. So users can essentially develop using those. Now a lot of our customers um, have users that that leverage what we call trial licenses, right? We also have what we call a community plan. And the community plan is really intended for those who wanna be able to develop or innovate on their own. Maybe they wanna know how to create a, an app or flow, but they don't necessarily wanna do it within your organization's environment. Um, but there are also trial licenses that can also be leveraged as well. Um, one thing I always like to talk a little bit about now, shifting gears a little bit, is the admin roles that you can leverage the Power Platform Admin Center. So the Power Platform Admin Center is essentially where all that great information exists. And this is here what it is. It's admin.powerplatform.microsoft.com. This essentially shows a list of all the different environments within the Power Platform Admin Center. Um, but there's also some other really great content here as well. Um, from an analytics perspective, you can see the, how much Dataverse is being leveraged, um, you can also see, you know, like your Power Automate, what's being leveraged from that perspective. Um, but it doesn't give you all the information that you saw in that Power BI report that I showed you earlier. So it's really great to be able to use this, but also to be able to use that as well. Um, there are some other really great things in here that uh, I'll just show you very quickly. This essentially, this report here, shows me all the capacity that I'm using with my Power Platform Admin Center. So for example, if I am exceeding my limits, it would be listed here. I would see a message up here that says that you've exceeded your storage capacity. I wanna know what, um, what environments are leveraging Dataverse, which is you know that um, what we used to call common data service. Um, essentially that's listed here. Um, and it shows how much database storage is used in each and every one of these different environments. And then this essentially, this add-ons is, is something that's important to know because um, there's a lot of licensing that gets added within this add-on right here. So if I were to go to um, an environment, I have the ability to add what we call our app or per app, uh, app passes. If you wanted to add a portal um, licensing, 
if you wanted to add AI builder credits, as well as Power Automate unattended RPA licenses. This is essentially where you would add that capacity and you have to add it to a specific environment. So going back to our uh, presentation, in order to access that Power Platform Admin Center, you generally have to be a global admin. Now I will say that there are some organizations I have worked with and I've, you know, I've had users who are global admins, but for some reason they don't have access to Power Platform Admin Center. So if for some reason you notice that you're a global admin, but you don't have access, there's probably some security protocol that your organization has put into place. So you'll have to specifically request that Power Platform Admin role. Um, if you do have Dynamics 365 um, being leveraged in your organization, um, that Dynamics 365 admin role also gives you access to the Power Platform Admin Center. Um, and then if you are, if you wanted to use a delegated admin, for example, if you had a partner that generally you work with to provide support from a Power Platform admin perspective, you can also use what we call the delegated admin role. And then here's a little bit about environments. So I showed you guys um, in the Power Platform Admin Center, there was a bunch of environments that are created in there. So just to give you a little bit of background in terms of what environments are, they are containers. So it's essentially a container that contains all apps, flows, um, connectors, and so on. So most of our customers, or actually all of our customers, they do have what we call a default environment. Now the default environment is um, automatically created when someone essentially leverages the Power Platform for the first time. So that automatically will be created. Um, there are some geography, there isn't a geography location that is associated with that environment once it's created. Um, and then within the, the default environment, I, I just wanna say that it is like a playground for your users it's not really intended as an environment to be leveraged by all of your users for enterprise production types of apps and flows. The reason why I say that is because the default environment, again, is a playground. It does not have the security guardrails in place out of the box. So my recommendation to all our customers is that when you are thinking about your environment strategy, you'll essentially want to create perhaps a development environment, a test environment, and a production environment. You can create those for a specific business unit. You can also create them enterprise-wide. But it's really, really important to make sure that when you do create those environments, you do put those, those security guardrails in place. And the reason for that is because, you know, otherwise everyone has admin rights. Everyone has the ability to go in and create another environment. People have the ability to create custom connectors. So you'll want to make your default environment something like a personal productivity environment. So like, let's say if I as a user have a specific need to create a power app for my own personal use that will make my personal productivity a little bit more efficient, that personal productivity environment is great for that. But if I wanted to perhaps, um, you know, create like let's say an HR app that I want all of my users in the organization to leverage, it might make more sense to put that in a specific environment specific to HR. And then, you know, just to let you know, where do those environments exist? Well, they exist in your Azure AD tenant. So for example, in this, in this view right here, you'll notice this is Contoso Corp, right? 
And then within Contoso Corp are those containers, which are those environments. So um, just something to think about when you're thinking about, um, you know, what your environment strategy is going to be for your organization. You do have the ability to create those different environments for each business unit. You can create them for enterprise wide um, and so forth. And then once you think about your application lifecycle management um, processes, you know, you can move an app or flow or what have you from one development environment to the test and then production and so forth. So um, some other key notes, um, you know, non-default environments, they have more control and more, um, more control than the default environment, which is why I always say, take that default environment, make it personal productivity, and then any non-default environments, you can essentially enforce some more controls. You just don't want to do that with your default environment because, again, it's really intended to act as a playground. So, um, you know, just to look a little bit more inside environments, I think this is really nice. It's a really nice architecture diagram to kind of show where everything sits in the Power Platform world. You know, when we looked at that specific and um, that that previous slide. You'll notice that it said, um, you know, you had your Azure AD tenant and then you had the environments below that Azure AD tenant. So in order for you to be able to access a Power App environment, you do have to log in with your credentials to the Power Platform apps, um, or the Power Platform default environment or production environment or so forth. Now, um, just to give you a little bit more perspective here, um, there's the default environment, which is essentially tied to like your SharePoint, Teams, Exchange, Excel environments. If you create a, a Power App from SharePoint, it automatically will put it in the default environment. When you create a Power Apps environment, essentially each and every time um, you have the ability to leverage our Dataverse capabilities. So there's one Dataverse database to one environment. That Dataverse database essentially is going to hold all of your Power Apps, any model-driven Power Apps, any entities that you create as part of that Dataverse, any fields, columns, process flows, the security model, rules, all of that essentially sits in this Dataverse database that is in this environment. So again, Power App environment, um, one environment is one Dataverse environment. Now, for those of you folks who are interested in connecting a Power App or Flow or what have you to an on-premise source, whether it's a database, a, a SharePoint, SharePoint server, um, file storage, essentially anything that is on-premise, it will require what we call an on-premise data gateway. Now, the on-premise data gateway, um, there's two components to it. There is, um, it has to essentially sit on a virtual machine or some sort of physical machine, which then would establish a connection to a data gateway that sits in Azure. That data gateway essentially establishes a connection to the Power Apps environment that you have associated with that on-premise data gateway. So this hopefully will give you a good glimpse into, um, into how that works. So you create that virtual machine, you establish the connection, um, um, via Microsoft Azure, and then you can associate it with a specific environment. But that's how it essentially works. Now, if you wanted to be able to connect to some other resources in Azure, whether it's a logic app or you know an API uh, function or storage in Azure, you also have the ability to do that.
So um, we've looked a little bit at, you know, some of the, the, the way that you can uh, see your apps. You um, hopefully have seen, you know, how you can essentially um, access your environments and where they sit from an architecture standpoint. Now let's talk a little bit more about security. So this essentially is what we call our five layers of security. So start, where does it start at? Well, it starts at the tenant level. So for those of you folks who are using Azure Active Directory, um, you have the ability to also use conditional access policies to grant access to a Power App or block access or block you know, a user or what have you. So that's your first, first step or first layer. Then we have those environment um, layers. So the, at the environment um, level, you have the ability to create some additional um, roles that can essentially provide access to a specific environment. So, for example, we've got an environment maker role, we've got an environment admin role, but we also have some, you know, user roles. So you have the ability to define, you know, your the types of users you have within your organization. So perhaps, you know, you've got someone who's going to be managing the Power Platform. They're going to be the the, um, they're going to be the environment admin. They're going to need that environment admin role, right? You might have specific, um, you might have specific folks that you want to be able to create environments, but you don't necessarily want them to be an admin. You want them to manage like the resources. Um, if they wanted to create a gateway to an on-premise data source, you can essentially make them an admin. I'm sorry, an environment maker, and then they'd have the ability to do that, but they don't necessarily have to have the admin rights. And you can also make, you know, you can also assign different types of users to like a dataverse user role or what have you. Um, from a resource level perspective, you also have the ability to provide per resource permissions. So to say like this specific user can use an app or they can use a specific flow or they can use a specific custom connector or so forth. Um, and then if you do have any, if you do have um, dataverse being leveraged within your organization, that comes with its own set of security roles. So those Dataverse users, that can get very, very granular in terms of what you provide them access to and what you don't provide them access to. So um, let me see if I can actually show you that really quickly. So if I go into my Power Platform Admin Center here, you'll notice that these are all the different environments I have. And something that I probably should have um, pointed out earlier is you'll notice there's different types of environments. So for example, I have a default environment, I have a sandbox environment, I have a developer environment production, but then there's also this right here, Microsoft Teams environments. Everyone's always like, well, what's that? Or they might be like, I've already got a whole bunch of users creating apps and flows in Microsoft Teams, and I don't know how to manage this. Well, guess what? Those environments are all listed here. Why are they listed here? Well, it's because whenever you create a Power App or chatbot within Teams, um, that is actually creating a container for that team. So only the folks that are able to access um, that Power App have to be associated with that team. So if I'm, let's say, uh, a user of AppDev and I wanted to use a, a Power App as in behavioral health, but I don't, I'm not a part of that team, I won't be able to access it, right? So that's why you'll see these different environments listed here um, that are Microsoft Teams environments because it essentially means that someone created an app or a chatbot or what have you within a team. And so it automatically creates that here. So, so Eden, so, so that's really, really uh, uh, taking, taking, I'm hearing myself. Um, um, it's taking that you that context of the team then in that Office 365 group and that's 
than the security container, right? Right, that's exactly it. Awesome. So that's essentially the, the container to that team with that app or chatbot in that in that team, right? Yeah, that's cool because then it really takes that whole piece, you know, out of the worry because it's just look, it's this team. If you're in it, you're in it. If you're not, that's right. You're out. <laughs> exactly. And you do have the ability to take a power app and move it to a different team using application lifecycle management capabilities if you wanted to. You can also export them and import them, but that would require some sort of admin access to be able mm -hmm. to do that. A typical user wouldn't be able to have access to that. Cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. It's something that's always asked. And, you know, for those of you folks who are like, well, I don't want to have these teams. I don't want to have these teams environments or I don't want these folks using apps and teams. You also have the ability to delete them. So if, if that was something you wanted to do, you definitely have the ability to do that. Um, but then again, this is that default environment here. Um, and actually, I'm going to click on this really quickly so I can show you those security rules that I was trying to get at. So this essentially is showing some more information about um, that default environment. And if I select see all here, this is essentially going to show me all of the different security roles that are out there. And please forgive me, this takes a second for it to populate here. But you'll notice here, these are all the different security roles that are associated with this specific environment. Now I'm going to go into the system administrator role. So for those Dataverse users, um, Whenever you use Dataverse, the, the admin role is then called system administrator role. So this essentially is showing all of the users that have access as a system administrator. Now, if I go here and I edit, um, sorry here, I should have probably opened this earlier, but let me go ahead and just log in very quickly. Uh, just one moment. I really like to show this to you, so if you could just bear with me for a second here. Um, so now oh, that I'm... I was going to take a picture of your credentials. <laughs> well, guess what? That was just my uh, authentication code. But if you really want to know what my password is, it's called iHeart Midday Cafe Forever. So that's my password. Now you know what it is. <laughs> just kidding for those of you folks who are going to try to break into my account later. It is not that. I was just making it a joke. And this is taking a second, but it's uh, it's great information here. So if you could just bear with me while it's uh, circling around there. Actually, maybe we can just skip over here until uh, until that uh, populates there. But essentially, if you wanted to add folks to this uh, to this security role, all you have to do is select add people. It's pretty straightforward. Um, this essentially is still running. Um, but there's essentially you can assign specific security roles to specific environments. So you, so this security role in this environment might not necessarily, you know, relate to the other environments. But here we go. This is what I was looking for. So this is a system administrator role. So that's why it says it cannot be updated or modified. But that's okay. Just want to show you guys the type of great, you know, granular content that is in here that you can secure for your users. So if you're using Dataverse, you can essentially say which tables you want your users to access, right? So create, read, write, delete, append, append to, assign, share. These are all the things that you can provide access to or block access to. 
So if I wanted to block access, for example, or you know, to a specific table, if I only want to give read rights or create rights or what have you, I have the ability to do that. These are all the core records that are leveraged with Dataverse. Now, um, you know, there's some in here that are specific to specific capabilities, like for service and so on. If you have missing entities, um, if you're using business process flows, you can also provide specific rights to your users to be able to create, read, write, and so forth. If you create a custom entity, which a lot of our customers leverage, you also have the ability to provide read, write, create, so on types of access. And that includes a lot of content here. So for example, if I'm using AI builder and I have an AI model, I can say, you know, I just want specific people to read it. Um, and then, you know, there's also a lot more information in here too. So there's all kinds of different kind of um, entities that are in here. And by the way, for those of you folks that are not familiar with the term entity, that's what we used to call tables in common data service before we changed the name. So um, please, please beg my forgiveness there, but essentially um, entities are now called tables in Dataverse. So, but essentially you'll see here the different things that you can provide access to and you can provide, you know, read-only access to and so forth. You can also create your own security roles and you can also assign the different types of security you want to your own security roles within Dataverse. But as you can see here, you can get very, very granular in terms of the types of access that you provide. So hopefully that gives you a good glimpse into the different types of security. Um, another thing I wanted to just add very quickly here, you'll notice here cross tenant level. So let's say if I have, you know, Contoso Corp is my, is my parent company, but then I have all these subsidiaries, right? And each of them have their own tenants. I have the ability to restrict inbound or outbound um, um, access to specific connectors. So that does require you to put in a support ticket to Microsoft, but we can essentially say, you know, if you don't want to provide users access to a specific connector and another tenant, you can essentially provide access or, or not provide access. Now you'll see here, this is something that's really, really important that I want to highlight. There is no such thing as security through obscurity. And the reason why I'm pointing this out is because I have users who are, are you know, customers who always ask me, well, I want to make sure that my users don't have access to data that they don't have that they really require access to. Guess what? Power Platform is not going to give anyone access to data that they don't already have access to. Okay, with these restrictions, without these restrictions. Okay, because it does require a connection to that connector that will require user credentials. So that is something that is really, really important to highlight there. And, um, you know, that pretty much highlights, you know, what I wanted to talk about today. So hopefully this was helpful for to those of you folks who are interested in governing the platform. You saw some of the content that is available as part of the Center of Excellence Starter Kit, specifically that Power BI report. There's a lot of other great, great content that's part of that starter kit, but that Power BI report is what gives you the the, the 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 wide picture of you know the, the the apps and flows that are being leveraged in your account and you got to see some of the security guardrails you can put into place you can create different environments you can assign different roles to different environments and if you're using dataverse you can get really really granular in terms of the types of lice and ty types of um, 
capabilities you are providing um, access to from a user perspective. So I really hope that helps you guys. I would love to see all of you guys using the Power Platform. Don't worry, uh, we've got workshops if you need some more help, but we're here to help you. We're here to make sure that you get all the information you need so that you have all the right protocols in place to allow your users to innovate. So thank you so much, you guys, for your time, and I'll make sure to add a whole bunch of content to this podcast if you're looking for additional information. So thank you. Great. No, that was awesome. I think uh, just from my own perspective, one thing that really hit me is, you know, I've never gone deep into Power Platform, admittedly. I like saying power, but it, I haven't gone deep into it. So uh, one of the things that I have heard, though, sometimes it's a misperception from customers. When you were going through all the security, mm-hmm. in my head, I'm like, you know, I'm hearing like phrases from the 60s Batman show. Like, you know, <laughs> it, it was just crazy because it's like they, it can be so granular. Yes. And I think that people, they don't necessarily understand that. And they assume this is end user thing. I can't control it. It's going to be just out there and everything's open. That's not and, it, and it really is not the case. Yeah, it really is not. You have a lot of uh, you have a lot of different security capabilities that you can enable to lock things down if that's what you want, you know. And mm-hmm. if you don't, you can you can make it as you can you know you can just put what's necessary and and let your use you know let your organization figure that out later. So lots of options there. Yes, Sue. Anything from you? And I have a customer call starting. I got to get yeah. on. No, other than um, I think it's time to get some playtime in and, you know, <laughs> I, I had no idea about the startup stuff that you showed and all those reports that are there. I had no idea that was all there. Yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's always mind-blowing when customers see that. They're like, whoa, I can get access to right. all that information? I'm like, yep. yes, you sure can. And uh, it's, you know, it's a game changer for our customers once they see what's out there. Yeah. Um, you know, and then it also sometimes they're like, we don't have any use cases for Power Platform. And then they're like, holy cow, we have right. a lot <laughs> of users using Power Platform. Where did, how did that happen? Did I give them licensing? Oh, well, guess what? You have licensing because <laughs> you yeah. get it with Office 365. So. Awesome. Well, I want to thank both of our guests today. Uh, you know, as always, you'll be able to find this and all of Midday Cafe ones if you go to uh, HTTPS colon whack whack, aka dot MS slash HLS blog. Uh, be sure to check there. Share with your friends, your family, your children, your dog, your cat, whoever. <laughs> and uh, with that, I want to thank both Sue and Eden and bid everybody have a great day. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much.